athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. When he comes out to meet Liston, and Liston starts to retreat. If Liston goes back in his time, he'll end up in the rain side seat. Clay swings with his left. Clay swings with his right. Look at young Cassius carry the fight. Listen, keeps backing, but there's not enough room. It's a matter of time. And Clay lost the moon. Now Listen disappears from view. The crowd is getting frantic. But our radar stations have picked him up. He is somewhere over the Atlantic. Listen, is still rising, and the ref rides a frown. But he can't start counting till Sonny comes down. Who would have thought when they came to the fight that they had witnessed the launching of a human satellite? Yes, the crowd did not dream when they put down their money that they would see a total eclipse of the sun. As I indicated last week, I am currently out of time. This is a pre-recorded edition of From the Press Box to Press Row, and more specifically, pre-recorded on Wednesday, Wednesday, June the 8th, so I want to make that clear. Still mourning the loss of Muhammad Ali, who passed away on last Friday at the age of 74. And you talk about a monumental loss. You know, we all, and you know, we're going to pay a tribute today here on From the Press Box to Press Row to Muhammad Ali. Um, I'm going to obviously talk about his life. I want to hear from you as well um, and get your thoughts on his life, what it meant. And, you know, this is a man we, we always, you know, a lot of times, I shouldn't say always, but a lot of times we use the term, uh, this person transcended this or they transcended that. And nothing is truer than saying that the one and only Muhammad Ali transcended boxing to the utmost. And I want to talk a lot more about that today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Again, uh, as you're listening to the show, I want to make this clear. As you're listening to the show, I'm currently out of town, currently out of town. This show was pre-recorded on Wednesday. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be gone uh, out for the next three weeks. So we're going to have um, some pre-recorded shows that have already uh, been done. But obviously, when you talk about Muhammad Ali, it's still very fresh. It's still very relevant. His um, uh, funeral, public funeral taking place uh, on Friday. And when I think of Louisville, I think of two things. I think of the Kentucky Derby. And I think of the birthplace of the greatest Muhammad Ali. And I, I want to talk a lot about Muhammad Ali and and certainly what he meant to uh, society, to the world, the impact that he had as a, at, a, at, a, at a time 
when a lot was going, I mean, a whole lot was going on. You talk about a lot of social unrest, the assassinations of uh, of multiple um, leaders. And this was a man who believed in certain things and never went against his principles and more specifically uh, his uh, decision not to be inducted into the army, which led to him being stripped of his title and uh, ultimately out of boxing for three years until the Supreme Court ruled uh, in his favor that, in fact, he did not have to be drafted into the army or go to the Vietnam War because of his religion. And and so many dynamics took place within that, and I want to talk more uh, about that today um, on the program. Again, as a reminder, this was recorded on Wednesday. I am uh, currently, as you're listening to this, out of town. And uh, also joining us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row to talk about the life and times of Muhammad Ali is a former champion himself as Larry Holmes. Larry Holmes, uh, former heavyweight champion, as a matter of fact. Um, And not only that, was a sparring partner of Muhammad Ali, and that's how Larry Holmes got his start and then ultimately fought Muhammad Ali, one of the the, the second-to-last fight that uh, Muhammad Ali had, and it was, uh, boy, it was was brutal. Um, You know, I was not young enough to remember that. Maybe maybe I saw it on the Wild World of Sports, for those that would remember that when that came on ABC on Saturday. I would have been, uh, when that fight took place, five or six years old. But in any event, Larry Holmes, Larry Holmes going to join us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. I also want to play an excerpt from when Jim Brown appeared on our show back in 2008 and you know, I asked Jim Brown about, you know, I'd always seen this famous uh, picture of the of the gathering of some of the prominent black athletes of the time. This happened back in 1967. As a matter of fact, it happened on June 4th of 1967, and uh, it was uh, 49 years um, almost to the to the day of Muhammad Ali passing away. And, you know, it featured then Lou Alcindor, now Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bill Russell, Jim Brown, um, Carl Stokes, who went on to become the first black mayor of a major city. He became, of course, uh, in that year, in 1967, the mayor of of Cleveland. You had uh, Bobby Mitchell, so many others, uh, prominent black athletes that came in support of Muhammad Ali. And, again, I had a chance to ask Jim Brown about that in that time back in 2008 so I'm going to replay part of that today also here on from the press box to press row Um, one of his daughters Layla Ali joined us on from the press box to press row on last year Um, as a matter of fact and at that time I had a chance to ask her a couple of questions about her dad Um, at that time this was um, May or June possibly of last year she indicated that he was in uh good health at that time and that um you know I, I talked with her about the legacy of her father and maybe how um she wanted to kind of have her own legacy and so I'll replay uh part of that interview today also here on the program plus going to also talk uh, again currently where we are we've 
We're, we're, we're looking at game four of the NBA Finals on Friday. I can only speak, obviously, to what has happened in the first three games to this point. Obviously, Golden State in great shape. And uh, so I'll talk a little bit about that today here on the program. So, um, and, and again, as I mentioned last week, check up on me. I'm, I'm, I'm out of town on, on a little vacay, but check up on me. Hit me up via uh, Twitter. Hit me up on my personal account, uh, personal Twitter account, at DWARE1, D-W-A-R-E, the number one. Check up on me and uh, see how I'm doing. So, y- listen, you know, my sort of my introduction, if you will, to Muhammad Ali kind of goes like this uh, and to really um, – uh, beyond Muhammad Ali as the boxer, because again, I was born in 1974, and it was towards the latter part of Muhammad Ali's career. I, I, again, I don't remember the uh, per se the Larry Holmes fight. Um, uh, you know, I I, I I don't remember the Ken Norton. Uh, you know, the, not to give it the the, um, the the Leon Spinks fight. I, I don't remember that fight. I think that was 1976, but. You know, as a youngster, you know, I was a reader, loved to read books. And one of the first books that I remember having was a book about uh, the one and only Joe Lewis, known as the Brown Bomber, um, world heavyweight champion, a hero, uh, more specifically in the black community back during those times. I remember reading about the time when he lost to Max Schmeling and how grown men cried, and then he avenged the loss a year later, uh, defeating Max Schmeling in 19, I think it was 1937 or 38. I'd have to, I don't have it right in front of me, and how the streets just erupted. You talk about Harlem and so forth, and just in jubilation and celebration of Joe Lewis's victory. And, um, you know, really, wow, I just admired Joe Lewis so much that he became a hero to me. And even he he passed in 1981. I don't remember that either, his passing. But certainly in all of what I read and wanting to know more about him, I had a chance to um, to to know a little bit about Joe Lewis. Then back in 1989, there was a 25 year uh, anniversary special uh, which chronicled the leading up to the fight and in, 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 in the aftermath of the fight between Muhammad Ali and Sonny Liston, the one in which Muhammad Ali won that fight, uh, the fight was stopped. And then, of course, um, he became world champion very, very, a very short time after that. Of course, at that time, he was known as Cassius Clay. And then a very short time after that. Uh, his name uh, changed his name to Muhammad Ali and that just you know this man was so great but anyway um, and, and actually what I'm going to have to do here I'm going to have to take a break uh, I'm going to come back and I'm going to tell you more about the story and how this particular piece that came on NBC Sports back in 1989 sort of uh, changed my life you're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row whoa my man knows how to put the ball in the hoop did you see that He's a stud, driving to the basket or putting it in from long range. Yeah, I saw it. So he's a stud, the man. We're all impressed. Bob, what's with you, man? You seem depressed. Out of it. Hey, man, I'm sorry. I'm just down. Well, boys, talk to me, man. What's bothering you? Home is bothering me. Brenda and I haven't hugged, kissed, or made love in weeks because I can't get an erection. We've been boys a long time. I'm going to share something with you. I had that same problem until a month ago. Then I heard about Alpha RX Plus and things changed big time. It brought happiness back into my bedroom, trust and respect from Felicia. 
How can I try this Alpha Lust? <laughs> it's Alpha RX Plus, and you can learn more at alphaRxplus.com. It's affordable, all natural, no side effects, comes with a money back guarantee. www.alphaRxplus.com or 800 860 1938. Alpha RX Plus. The following is a message from the Bud Light Party. The Bud Light Party's tackling the issues that other candidates won't dare touch, like small plates. They say they're for sharing. But how can you share if there's less food? Are eight plates enough for three people? Can't we share one big plate? The Bud Light Party supports sharing. Just do it before our plates get any smaller. This message approved by the Bud Light Party. Raise one to right now. Enjoy responsibly. Bud Light Beer, AB, St. Louis, Missouri. Kofi cards are designed by Brother Tyus Kofi, who has received international acclaim and has been featured on over 300 very popular greeting cards. Kofi cards can be purchased for any occasion, including birthdays, baby showers, and well wishes. Buy them in bulk today. Purchase Kofi cards online at www.koficards.com. That's www.koficards.com. K-O-F-I-K-A-R-D-S.com. Produced by the community for the community. Kofi Cards, empowering our community one card at a time. Kofi Cards are a product of Global Emerging Market Exchange. GMX, a redistribution company. On last week's From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. Alexander Rossi, your Indianapolis 500 winner. I was stressed, man. I, I, was, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if we were going to be able to pull it off. I didn't I didn't know if we had enough to make it. I didn't think the team did either. We were just kind of taking it corner by corner and, and, and trying to do it. And, and the final lap, we really didn't know if we were going to be able to make it back. It was a big stretch. And we obviously had to go for it. And it was either going to result in a win or we were going to, we were going to not finish. So... It was a pretty big gamble, and by the end of the day, I'm, I'm very happy, obviously, that we took it. From the press box to press row is one of the hottest sports talk shows in the country. Join Donald each week as he takes you on a journey through the world of HBCU sports and pro sports and interviews with top sports and entertainment figures. That's from the press box to press row each week on your favorite station. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. This segment of From the Press Box to Press Row is being brought to you by Alpha RX Plus. You heard the commercial. A 96% rate in ending erectile dysfunction. And now exclusively for Box to Row listeners, get 10% off Alpha RX Plus at alpharxplus.com. Enter Box to Row, B-O-X, the number 2 R-O-W, B-O-X, the number 2 R-O-W for your coupon at the checkout. Again, a 96% success rate in ending Erectile dysfunction for more information and to purchase Alpha RX Plus, log on to their website at alphaRxplus.com. So, we're talking about the life of Muhammad Ali, and um, I was getting ready to get into um, again a piece that I saw back in 1989, um, which 
uh, this piece, if I remember correctly, was on NBC Sports, and it was um, kind of commemorating or celebrating the 25-year anniversary of the fight between Sonny Liston and Ali, which took place on February 20. Uh, 5th 1964 and you know just just to kind of backtrack so we're out and I'm out with with my family had just had a a, um, a little league baseball game and we're just out eating dinner and um, you know with social media and everything today I mean everything information is just in the internet so forth information is instantaneous so my wife's looking on her phone and she's said to me uh, Muhammad Ali was in the hospital you know so I you know, naturally, immediately Googled it and saw um, three stories about this. And um, one of which the uh, headline read, you know, like grave. He was in grave condition. So I was like, wow. So, you know, went home, didn't really think any more about it. Woke up on Sunday morning. ESPN was on. I could hear Mike Wilbon, Stephen A. Smith kind of talking and they used um they used a word that let me know exactly what was going on. They said what he meant, not what he means, but what Muhammad Ali meant to to them. And and immediately at that point, I said, oh, man, I knew exactly. Remember from uh, the day before, I knew exactly what was happening. And boy, I, I just didn't want to just didn't want to move, you know, just didn't want to move. Um, finally woke up fully and started flipping through the, all of the channels and so forth. And, um, you know, sure enough. And I mean, you know, again, I wasn't really old enough to, um, remember any of his fights. I mean, maybe the Sphinx fight vaguely just because I, I don't, I don't know. And maybe the Larry Holmes fight by watching again, as I mentioned, the wild world of sports, which used to come on Saturday, uh, on Saturday, Saturday afternoons. I mean, and, and matter of fact, at that time, I mean, I was a really, you know, boxing, you know, in the mid, in the mid eighties, you know, from the early to mid eighties. And this was pre Mike Tyson. I mean, Mike Tyson was, was definitely dominating and, and, and all of that. But before that, I mean, you had guys like Sugar Ray Leonard, you had uh, Marvin Hagler, you had Ray Boom Boom Mancini, uh, Roberto Duran, um, Tommy Hearns. I mean, the list goes on and on. And so I was, I was pretty, you know, uh, you know, in, in in the in the earlier part of the eighties, I was I was pretty heavy into boxing, but not again, not old enough to remember the Holmes fight, which took place in nineteen eighty. But again, as I was sharing with you, you know, I, I really, you know, even though Joe Lewis had, you know, passed away in nineteen eighty one, I mean, I was. You know, all the books and everything that I saw on Joe Lewis, I, boy, I was, you know, and, and what he meant to the black community. Boy, I, 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 I was a fan of Joe Lewis. And so I'm watching this piece and there, you know, with all of these old excerpts from um, all old clips from Muhammad Ali and 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 and, and all of the talk and all that all of the trash talking i get think of Muhammad Ali sort of invented trash talking but i mean it served a purpose i mean you talk about fight promotions i mean we talk about fight promotions today and these guys you know get up there and we have all of these lavish press conferences and and all of that and sometimes they get pretty they 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 get pretty serious sometimes they even come to blows um or near blows and you know he was the consummate uh professional if you will at that, so he's, 
you know, and the piece by NBC was it was just so well put together. It talked about and I'd have to remember because I tried to Google this. I, I, I tried to Google it and find it on YouTube and I just couldn't find it. But it talked at length about leading up to obviously the Liston and uh, Ali matchup and of course, talked about and, and and by the way, it was listed in Clay. Let, let's be clear: the second fight was listed in Ali, but this was listed in Clay. It talked about his ties with the Nation of Islam. It had you know everyone: Ferdy Forcheco, uh, Angelo Dundee was part of the interview. I mean, list uh, and people that they talk with, and the list goes on and on. And for me, I mean, I can even <laughs> remember. You know, I, I watched this thing so many times, right? I watched this thing so many times that I had a lot of a lot of all of the um you know, all of the great sayings by Ali. So one of the ones said, Sonny might be great, but he will leave in eight. If he wanna go to heaven, I'll get him in seven. He'll be in a worse fix if I cut it to six. If he keep talking jive, he'll go in five. If he make me sore, he'll go like more. If he keep talking about me, he'll go in three. If he if that don't do, he'll go in two. If he run, I'll take him in one. And if he don't want to fight, he should keep himself home that night. So, you know, after watching this thing so many times, I mean, I had uh, memorized all of these things. But what it led me to do is to really, and, and, you know, I'm trying to remember if, I mean, I think it touched on it. It obviously was, it, it led up to the fight, but then the aftermath of the fight, and then certainly it talked, I think, a little bit, the piece talked a little bit about his refusal to be inducted into the army based upon his religious beliefs. And, um, you know, it really led me, and this, again, remember, guys, this is pre-internet, so it really led me to really want to know more about Muhammad Ali and who he was and who this great man was. And what a what a great man, I mean, he was someone that had he and, and I think somebody said this to me, had he, you know, had had Muhammad Ali come around, you know, in the 1930s, you know, perhaps even the 40s wouldn't have been that Muhammad Ali that we know had he come around. Certainly, maybe if even if you look at the mid to latter part of the 70s or any time after that wouldn't have been the Muhammad Ali that we know today, um, you know, arguably. You know, he certainly would. I mean, he was a great fighter. And, 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 and see, most of the things that I'd like to share is about what he did outside of the ring. Oh, by the way, he he was the greatest uh, meaning. And when I take, say, that term or think of that term, the greatest, when I think of Muhammad Ali, I mean, I think of, you know, I, I think outside of the ring also with all of the things that um, he did. I mean, even if you look at the uh, the rumble in the jungle and. Um, you know, with George Foreman, I mean, himself, his willingness to embrace, you know, to embrace the people and they embraced him back. Ali Bumbaye, you know, uh, meaning kill George Foreman. I mean, it, it you know, it, he just he was just just a magnificent uh, man and certainly uh, going to be missed. And this piece led me to want to know more about Muhammad Ali. Um, uh, the the person. So it, it was absolutely phenomenal. One of the 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 I think things that has been overlooked over time is when Jim Brown, as I mentioned before, brought all of these uh, prominent black athletes together in support of Muhammad Ali. But before they supported Muhammad Ali, they wanted to know exactly 
what his beliefs were in terms of not being inducted into the U.S. Army. Because you got to remember, some of these guys had served in the military. Let me take you back to 2008, our conversation with Pro Football Hall of Famer Jim Brown. You talk about the greatest, perhaps the greatest to ever play football. And this is what he had to say about the prominent black athletes in 1967, June the 4th, 1967, supporting Muhammad Ali. Well, at the time, I had founded an organization called the Black Economic Union, which dealt with uh, economic development of black people. Produce, achieve, and, pro- achieve and prosper was our motto. Uh, the expertise and the capital was the two things we needed to become entrepreneurial. And I knew that economic development was important to the black community, so I organized the athletes and some of the young MBAs from the best schools in the country. And we eventually uh, are able to start over 400 black businesses that contribute to the uh, starting of 400 black businesses and uh, with these bright young men and the top athletes. So Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. Mm-hmm. And there were all kinds of stories, and they were basically harassing him and threatening him and so forth and so on. So I decided that we should meet with him, call all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city, mm-hmm. and discuss the situation with him, get the real story with the idea that if it's real, then we're going to back him. So John Wooten, who was my executive director of the Black Economic Union, called everybody. Everybody responded, paid their own ways in, paid for the hotel room, and we went with Muhammad Ali for about five hours. And in that meeting, we were convinced that the only reason he wasn't going to service was because of his religious beliefs. And when we came out and had our press conference, we expressed that as a total unit, and therefore giving him support of the top black athletes in the country, which made it much easier for him uh, as he pursued his uh, career. And uh, it was a great time because that is a historical picture. Mm-hmm. And everyone there came there because they wanted to be there. And uh, no agents, managers, or lawyers, just the athletes ourselves. But I'd like to say something, too. You see, pretty much in those days, we went to college for four years. We got our education. We, we believed in education. We believed in the mind. We knew football was just a, 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 a road to a certain kind of success, but your education was going to be with you the rest of your life. So... Uh, when we stood up uh, for Ali, we understood that it was a highly important gesture because if it was about his religion, then they could not just throw him in jail mm-hmm. and throw away the keys. So I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. That was Jim Brown, who joined us on From the Press Box to Press Row back in 2008 as he spoke about the very poignant uh, picture that depicted all of the top black athletes in support of Muhammad Ali back on June 3rd of 1967. The champ, Larry Holmes, is up next.
You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. At the voice of Ronda Rousey. It was something that I specifically asked for, not just because I wanted to fight for the Brazilian people, also that I really can't stand this chick, and I would rather beat her in her home country on her own turf so that she knew that she lost with every single possible advantage she could have. That's the voice of Michael Strahan talking with us about his college playing days at Texas Southern. You know, a lot of guys were probably out there partying and in some cases chasing behind the girls. I was working out because I didn't see Texas Southern as being like my stop. That was part of my journey into where I wanted to go. Kevin Hart joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Room. Now, are you going to return to New Orleans for the NBA Celebrity Game to defend your MVP crown? Of course I am, man. I'm trying to three-peat. Right now, <laughs> Um, celebrity All-Star Game MVP. If I can get a three-peat, a three I'm retiring from the game of basketball. I will have done what no man can do. Adrian Peterson. We're strong enough. He built us to be strong enough to do that. That's powerful. It is. Like, that's powerful. That's how easy to put things in perspective and know that, hey, you know, tough times don't come. But if you trust in God, believe in God, he's going to get you through it. Mike Krzyzewski or Coach K, you know, there was an article that came out with the headline stating NBA needs to pull stars from USA Basketball, which is showcasing only Duke's coach. To me, it's absurd because before USA Basketball, Coach K was on the map and winning national championships. However, how do you respond to that? Well, I don't think you have to respond to it because something that comes way out of left field, it's apparent that we don't need USA Basketball to help our program. I've won three national championships before being the USA coach and went to numerous Final Fours and had number one recruiting classes. I think the response from everybody has been, you know, come on. That the voice, of course, of T.I. and some hard times down in the ATL, though, T.I. And that is understood. It wouldn't be the first. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't be the first, nor the worst. No, no question. I'm still still down with the skins, man. What can I say? They're, They're not doing too well right now. Well, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? We gotta, hey, 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 look, man, we gotta, we gotta hold it down so we can, so we can get it back right again. <laughs> we're joined by Serena Williams. You were in Sports Illustrated's swimsuit issue a couple of years ago. You feel like you're a sex symbol? <laughs> I'm just Serena, and that's all I can be. And whatever people think is. I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm all, I feel honored that they might feel that way. Though. Maybe the greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. Mm-hmm. All, all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me, man, in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. The Snoop Football League has done so many wonders for myself, and not only me, but the kids and the volunteers and the parents and the people that have been associated with it. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have grown in Division One. The face of women's soccer in the U.S. is Alex Morgan. Phenomenal moment. The semifinal game against Canada where you scored in the extra time. Everyone's thinking, Abby's going to get to that. And, you know, it kind of fell directly to, to me and to my head, and it was definitely the biggest goal of my career. Jim Caldwell in his first season as the head coach of the Detroit Lions. If a coach is named a coach in waiting, the next year he becomes that head coach. He goes 14-2. and two, His team goes to the Super Bowl. The next year he goes 10-6. and six. His uh, team goes to the playoffs. And then because of a 2-14 and 14 record, but part of that record is because certainly one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time misses the entire season. After the end of that season, the coach is fired. Is that fair to that coach? <laughs> well, you know, in this business it is. 
<laughs> because um, that's the thing that I think most people that are in it and understand it. It's what have you done for me lately? At that particular year, we didn't win enough games. Plain and simple. He's the one and only Darius Rucker. I love sports. I love all sports. I watch them all. I'm into the World Cup right now, like everybody else is. But if to me, there's two times a year: the football season and waiting for football season. And right now, I'm waiting for football season. I love it. Oklahoma City Thunder forward Kevin Durant. What about the success that you've had? Your maturing as an NBA player, as one of the young uh, superstars in the league. Oh uh, yeah, well, I'm just you know trying to get better every single day. We've been through a lot as a team, and I enjoy playing with a great group of guys. You know, hopefully, we get to reach our goal one day. From the press box to press row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports, with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's from the press box to press row, real, relevant, radio. As we continue here on From the Press Box to Press Row, we are joined by a former heavyweight champion. As a matter of fact, also an International Boxing Hall of Fame inductee, finished his career with a record of 69-6, and one of the greatest to ever do it, Larry Holmes joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Larry, welcome to the program. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, and it, let, let me start here because obviously with the passing of Muhammad Ali, I wanted to ask you this because in reading, and you can tell me if this is incorrect, um, I read where you started actually boxing at the age of 19, um, which, you know, especially for you to have gone on and been such a great champion, um, you know, guys get an earlier start. How did you come to be a sparring partner of Muhammad Ali? Well, one day he was, I read the paper that he was thinking about moving the camp to Italy, and um, he was going to come up and check it out. And uh, so me and my trainer said, well, let's go up and see the champ. I said, okay, let's go. So we rode up there to see the champ. He was, there was nothing there but him and the trailer. He came out the trailer, and we and we introduced ourselves, and he said, "Oh, you're a little boxer, huh?" I said, "Yeah, I'm a boxer. I'm an amateur boxer." He said, "Uh, put me." So he so he, he told me he put his hand up and said, "Hit my hand." I hit his hand. He hit it again. I hit it again. He said, "You feel like putting on a boxing exhibition?" I said, "Well, who is it you?" Me and you go down to Reading and put on a boxing exhibition. And I said, sure. So we went down to Reading, and we boxed. He cold cocked me a couple of good times, <laughs> gave me a black eye. And uh, I, I said, well, he wanted to put some ice on me. I said, no way. And so, you know, when I got home, I was bragging about it, telling everybody Muhammad Ali gave me a black eye. <laughs> Nobody believed it. Nobody believed it, but... I did. I did. Man, that was my badge. You know what I mean? Right. And ever since that, after that day, him and I became friends. He built his camp up, and I was one of the one of the guys that he used all the time. What an awesome story. Um, let let me. What what have the last uh last couple of days been like for you? Of course, since we uh, uh lost such a legend uh, in Muhammad Ali. I mean, I know you've been doing a ton of these interviews, but just emotionally, as you mentioned. Uh, a friend of yours. What what have the last several days been like for you? Well, I've been talking to some of the people that work with Ali, were with Ali, that know him, like Gene Kilroy and guys like that. I've been talking to mainly Jimmy and some of the people with Don King. And um, 
that's one of the things that we're doing. We're trying to make arrangements tomorrow. We'll be flying out to go to 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 to, to Kentucky with Ali's dad and pay our respect. And um, I just been busy doing that and not being able to sleep and on the phone practically all day and night with guys like you interviewing and stuff like that and giving them my thoughts. So that's what I've been doing for the last couple of days. Sure. Have you have you been able to, and I know you haven't, you know, obviously, you know, some different things may come out and so forth once you're actually in Louisville. But, you know, when you what what most comes to your mind when, when you think about Muhammad Ali? Well, I think about how great he was, how given he was. The guy would give. He would give you autographs. He would take his pictures. You know, he would hug you and everything. He was good that way. A lot of guys, man, celebrities, they won't give you no autographs. They want. They don't even want to give you the time of day. They think sometimes they get the wrinkles out of the stomach. They ain't hungry no more. They forgot where they come from. And you know, Ali never forgot where he come from. Ali will always speak his mind, tell you what he thinks. And you know, he he will give you autograph, man. You know, he will take a picture with you. Um, you know, he give you a hug, and 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 that's what it's all about. But not forgetting where you come from. Ali never forgot, and that's why people love him, respect him. And more and more people understand it. I understood it because I was with him for five, four years as a sparring partner. So I understand. I understood it. The champ, Larry Holmes, joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Rose. We talk about the life and times of Larry Holmes. And, and Larry, I want to talk a little bit more about you. Um, but also with that, what was, you know, I've seen you and heard you on a couple of different shows in terms of the fight that you had with Muhammad Ali. Um, in 1980, you know, in the aftermath of that fight, the only fight that uh, Muhammad Ali was stopped in his career, what was that? What was the aftermath of that like for you? Well, it wasn't good at all because I was disappointed that I had to beat up a friend, a, a boss, and, uh, and the, but the boss was still good and still loved me, you know. Matter of fact, after the fight, you know, I went to the dressing room they was giving him a rub down and everything. I walked over, gave him a big hug, and I said, man, you know I love you. And he said, if you love me, why you whoop me like that? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, he was laughing, and we laughed. Everybody was laughing, and then that, on the way out the door, he was saying, I will be back. I'll be back. I want homes. I want a rematch. I want homes. And we laughed and laughed and laughed, and, from, from then on, man, whenever I seen him and got together with him, we talked and talked and laughed. And he told jokes and how great he is and how pretty he was. He still did all of that stuff. <laughs> and it didn't stop him, man. And I, I said, you, you know you ain't pretty, man. Come on, you ain't pretty. Girls, little girls are pretty. You ain't pretty. He said, man, I'm pretty. I'm pretty. <laughs> he, was, he was a great guy, man. He had a good sense of humor. He liked people. If you want a picture, you got to Listen, I got hundreds of pictures. Although I got filmed of him and I boxing, you know, in the amateurs. I mean, when I was the amateur in, in the gym up in Deer Lake, man, I, I got all that stuff, man. And they can't take it away from me. I got the film, you understand, when I was boxing him in the ring and, <laughs> and when, I, <laughs> when I was fighting him and taking pictures, you know, like a little boy, you know. I was like a little boy when I got around Muhammad Ali. Wow. Wow. Uh, no, very well said. Leading up, I mean, were, were you, I mean, what were your your thoughts in terms of what you can remember? Of course, we're going back now some 36 years, but 
in terms of is that a fight that you, you did you want to take that fight? No, I didn't want to take that fight because I've been in no win situation. They say he was old at in nineteen eighty they told me Ali was old. He's thirty eight years old and he's old. I think he's old and old to me. I think Joe Lewis and old guys fought until they were ninety, no, I was say. <laughs> I think that ain't old to me. So, you know, I told I told Ali, I said, Don't fight me, man. When they made them at this, don't I said, Don't fight me. He's alive. It's ten million dollars. I'm gonna fight you. I'm gonna beat you. I'm knocking you out. <laughs> you know. I said, okay. So you know, we talk and and then I finally signed the signed the contract. And um, Don King put it on. You know. And I used to say when I said to, to Ali, I said, look, man, don't get hurt because he would make you hurt him. He would call you every name in the book. Your mama name, everybody name, to get you mad at him so you can lose your cool and he take advantage of it. So, you know, that's why I said don't get hurt. And and I wasn't going to hurt him anyway. But truthfully, the matter is, I did work on him kind of hard on the first two, three rounds. For four rounds, I worked on him. And then I slacked up when I see he didn't have anything. Right. And I kept telling him, don't take no more of this stuff. You got the money, quit. He would never quit. Too much man in him. He would never quit. Wow. Now, uh, uh, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. You go ahead. And then after the fight, I told him I love him like I did before. He said, well, I don't know why you beat me up like that, dude. He <laughs> 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 was crazy. He was crazy, funny, happy guy, you know? Wow. You know, but but now you, I mean, now he was old, well, uh, considered old at 38. What about yeah. you when you fought, what, at 52 years? And by the way, you won your last four fights. You fought at 52 years old. Yeah, you know, that's what I was saying. You know, I listen, if you work out, train good and everything else, with the fighters today, man, you know, I, listen, I'm 66 years old now. I take them. I, I go out. If they let me get in shape, man, I I fight the one. I, I fight one of the champions, whoever they are. <laughs> Especially for the money that they're paying now, you know. <laughs> right. Right. No, no. No question about. It. So, do you you still keep up with the with the with the with the boxing and, and I guess more specifically the heavyweights? Yeah. I, no, I watch it. I watch it all. I watch it all until I get bored. And when I get bored, I turn it off and turn it to another channel. But I watch it all. Like I watch Mayweather, you know. I watch him fight, and, and I watch through the whole thing. Even though a lot of his fights have been boring as far as I'm concerned, but uh, you know the the heavyweight guys, I I don't really get into it no more because they they ain't fighting. Yeah. A couple of more thoughts with the champ Larry Holmes, who joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Room. Champ, there's a. A poster, champions forever. Yourself, Muhammad right. Ali, Joe Frazier, right. George Foreman, Ken Norton. When, when you think, I mean, when I, when you look at that, I mean, that was a a fantastic time in boxing. What most comes to your mind when you think about that time in boxing and your reign as heavyweight champion for all those years? Yeah, I, I was in a group that you'll never have again. Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier. George Foreman, Kenny Norton, Larry Holmes. I mean, mind-boggling. Mind-boggling, man. Yeah. And, and I, reign, I reigned longer than any of them, and that was mind-boggling 
to a lot of people, but not to me because I tell you why. I have learned how to fight from one of the best fighters in the world, Muhammad Ali. And the second I learned how to fight against a guy with one of the strongest punches in the world that was smoking Joe Frazier. And then I had to with another guy that broke Muhammad Ali's jaw, Kenny Norton. I could not fight the other guy because he was running a lot, scared to sign the contract. His name was Big George Foreman. <laughs> so, you know, I had a lot of company, and that's why we went for the champion forever. Again, you're listening to a pre-recorded version of From the Press Box to Press Row. I am your host, Donald Ware, as we talk about the life of Muhammad Ali. And we talk with uh, also former champion Larry Holmes, a sparring partner who went on to become a great champion as well. Going to pick up the conversation with Larry after these important messages. Thank you for making From the Press Box to Press Row a part of your day. The radio program that's talking sports from New York City to Cali and globally on the World Wide Web. From the Press Box to Press Row continues after this. Budweiser, America, and Florida Georgia Line. I still remember our first big show. Budweiser's in the air and hearing the crowd sing our song. That's when it really feels like America is in our hands. And when I'm holding a nice cold Budweiser that says America on the front. (laughs) That too. Cheers. This Bud's for you. Enjoy responsibly. Budweiser beer, Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. Men, you know there are a couple of myths that should be cleared away from your belief system. The first myth, women only look for tall, virile, handsome guys with money. The truth is, most women look for guys who know how to get results and save money, too. The second myth, you have to buy expensive drugs to regain your love life or defeat erectile dysfunction. The truth is, there is a product on the market made of seven herbs. It's all natural, costs less than $40, and helps 96% of men who try it regain erections that last, and many guys swear their 20s have returned. Alpha RX Plus works to defeat erectile dysfunction, has no reported side effects, and comes with a money-back guarantee. If you want to defeat erectile dysfunction and save money doing it, Alpha RX Plus should be a part of your belief system. Try Alpha RX Plus and then tell us what you think. AlphaRxPlus.com or call 800 860 1938. Alpha RX Plus. It's Donald Ware. From the Press Box to Press Row. Welcome back to From the Press Box to Press Row. Once again, this is a pre-recorded show. I am on a much-needed vacation, as a matter of fact. And throughout the course of the show, we've been talking about the life and times of Muhammad Ali. And we're going to continue the conversation now with Larry Holmes, a former sparring partner, the champ, former heavyweight champion, of course, a former sparring partner of Muhammad Ali uh, and the champ. As a matter of fact, his reign as champion was the third longest um, in the history of the heavyweight division. And we continue the conversation with Larry Holmes. 
Man, I'm, I'm surprised you and George Foreman couldn't get together. I mean, all, you know, he fought uh, uh, quite a long time as well. Yeah, but he didn't. He didn't fight. He didn't want to fight me <laughs> because because I because I fight similar to Muhammad Ali. Everybody said, "Yo, you want to be Muhammad Ali? You want to, I don't want to be Muhammad Ali. I want to fight like him. I want to fight better than him." And yes, I copy the jab. I copy the combinations. Yeah, so what? If it works for Ali all them years, why can't it work for me? Sure. So George Foreman did not want to fight me because my style was sticking and moving, not staying on the ropes. I wouldn't go stay on the ropes and bang me like Ali did. But, uh, you know, that was my style, you know, to stick and move, just knock his butt out, you know. But he didn't want that. So we blew millions of dollars by not fighting. Yeah. Yeah, certainly you had one of the greatest jabs in history. Can I take you back to 1982? I, I read and I love history. Um, the fight against um, uh, Jerry Cooney and yeah, and all that surrounded that man. Can you kind of take us back to that time? Well, you know, everybody was talking about Jerry Cooney, the White Hope, White Hope, White Hope, and you know he got mad at me. People got mad at me because I said the White Dope, White Dope, White Dope, because you were saying White Hope. Okay, Larry Holmes don't get beat. They thought everybody was betting against me. I wasn't on my side. It was on Jerry's side. And when I beat Jerry, everybody said, oh, he wasn't nothing. Oh, he wasn't. But they don't understand, man. Jerry could fight. This guy is six foot five. The guy punched, he's 240 pounds. The guy punches him with a left hook, converted southpaw. The guy couldn't fight. I mean, could fight. But the whole problem was he fought me. He should have waited another year or two, and then came and got me. But what happened was, it was the money that they offered to push his managers and trainers or whatever into that fight. I mean, I, you know, it, it didn't matter to me because I'd have kept picking up a couple thousand dollars here, a couple thousand dollars over there fighting the guys out here. But when they came in with Jerry, they, played, they brought Mecham Billions, and they put, him, they put all their money on the white guy. And I say, he ain't the white guy, he's the right guy. I'm the right guy. That's right. not Jerry Cooney. Right. And, uh, you know, and they hate Jerry because he, now he lost. I guess they don't. They didn't like him for that. And Jerry was not a bad guy, but the, what the media did him is they tore him up. Yeah, and that bothered you—the fact number one, you're the champ, and, and and you all are getting the same purse, which is crazy. And then uh, something else I was reading, where they put a phone in his locker uh, yeah. for the pre- uh, then President Reagan. President. Yeah, and not mm-hmm. and not yours. Yeah, you know I can't tell you if that's true or not because I but I heard it and heard it and heard it. Okay. And back in those days it could have been, you know, but they wanted the White Hope and 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 when I said this, they got on me again. It's not the White Hope, it's the White Dope. I just throw the rhyme out and they kill me for saying that. You know what I mean? Right. I'm a racist and everything else. And when they say. When they say I was a racist, I say, you guys are more racist than I am because half of my family's white. Then that was another problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I couldn't do anything that was right or wrong. Matter of fact, even when I fought Ali and I beat Ali, and when I went outside, these ladies would say, white lady was saying, I hate you. I hate you. I said, why do you hate me? What I do? You beat Muhammad Ali. I hate that. You know, Ali was my friend. He was my man. I didn't want to beat him, but I did what I had to do. Him or me, you know what I'm saying? I do. But I did everything I could do with not hurting him. No, I do. I do understand. And see, the thing about it, I, I, I don't remember, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm early 40s, so I remember you more 
then I remember Muhammad Ali. And to your point with all of the, the last bit of what you were saying, do you feel like throughout your career – uh, when we talk about all-time great champions, I'm looking at the record at 69-6. and six, You fought the best uh, while you were fighting. Do you feel like you've gotten the recognition that you deserve? No. No, it's still a shadow. But when they throw my black ass in the box, I'll get it. <laughs> Excuse me for saying this on your radio. But when they throw me in the box, that's when they say, oh, he was this, he was that. I don't want the accolades as I, when I die, I want them while I'm alive. Right. You know, give me my praise now. Don't praise me when I'm gone. But that's the way it happens. That's the way it happens to everybody. I, I don't think, I don't think none of the great leaders that we had in their country got, people said they were great for the country until they died, you know? Yeah. Look yeah. at the people that hated Ali. Now look at the people. Yeah. They hated Ali. People say, oh, he didn't go to serve. They hated him. I used to argue with him all the time. You know, he had his right not to want to go. It ain't our war. Why we go over there and fight? When you come to my house, I'm going to win my war. We're going way over there. We're going to get on an airplane and fly thousands of miles to kill somebody or for, or for them to kill us. Come on, crazy. Right. So, you know, I don't blame Ali. At that time, I was young myself and wasn't ready to go into service. But when I got old enough, I did sign up. But I flunked, and I thank God that I did. Yeah. The one and only Larry Holmes. You can follow him on Twitter at LarryHolmes75. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Larry, great to catch up with you, man. And, and, and by the way, um, congratulations on we, – we, we didn't have time to really talk about this, but all the success that you have had – after boxing, all the great investments that you've made, the great businesses that you have, continued success in all you do. Well, you know, I still work on it. That's harder than boxing. I really, I really work hard at trying to keep myself, trying to set examples, letting guys know that you can become a heavyweight champion or any kind of champion and save your money. But matter of fact, on June the 9th, which it will be tomorrow, that will be the day that I won a heavyweight championship from Kenny Norton, Ooh. 1978. Wow. No, thank you. Thank yeah. you for sharing that uh, with us. Yeah. And um, continued success, champ. We appreciate it. Hey, thank you, guys. That was the champ, Larry Holmes, joining us here on the program. And, you know, I asked him about um, sort of being um, underrated as, uh, you know, as a champion. And, I mean, you know, he – he fought at a great time in boxing. As I mentioned, I mean, he defended his title 20 times. He defended his heavyweight championship 20 times, which is the third most of all time, only behind uh, the previously mentioned, the aforementioned great Joe Lewis, and then um, also only behind uh, Vladimir Klitschko. And, I mean, at a time when, you know, you were – I mean, when you thought of boxing, again, I mentioned, asked him about that that particular poster with all those great champions. I mean, you know, boy, I would have loved to have seen him and George Foreman fight. That would have been certainly one for the ages. I think more along the lines of what we saw with Bernard Hopkins and Roy Jones Jr. going back to um, some five or six years ago when those guys were well beyond their prime. But even... You know, I mean, it, it would have been nice if we could have seen them fight. And I can't even remember. You know, George Foreman didn't fight for many, many years after the loss to Muhammad Ali. 
and and then he made that comeback. He sort of, at least to me, sort of came out of nowhere to again regain the heavyweight championship. But it would have been nice to see along the way him fight uh, Larry Holmes. But I don't I don't blame him. <laughs> Larry Holmes fought uh, his last fight was in two thousand two, and I, you know I I, I got to say uh, you know I asked him again about kind of being underrated. I mean, Larry Holmes was a great, great champion. I mean, we, we mentioned the Jerry Cooney deal. I, I sort of um, I sort of remember that a little bit going back to 1982 because, I mean, I've always been a boxing fan. But you had a, you had a point where, you know, I'm sure Larry Holmes, um, I mean, he lost three straight fights at, you know, at one point. And I, I know he had to be thinking, wow, I mean, at one time Larry Holmes – was 48 no he was one fight away from doing what Marky Rossi, uh, 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 Rocky Marciano did in terms of being 49 and 0 now of course Rocky Marciano retired uh at 49 and 0 but you know three straight losses uh Michael back to back losses to Michael Spinks and then um of course to Mike Tyson and then you know we saw Michael Spinks um uh, eventually get wiped up by uh Mike Tyson so um a great champion I mean I you know I mean I, you know when I, I again you know I, I really loved boxing back during those times and Larry Holmes would would be someone I would love to um have here on from the press box to press row to talk about um what he meant in the historical aspect of his reign as champion and during his time as boxing even outside of the passing of Muhammad Ali, but you know you're you're now seeing more of a resurgence of Larry Holmes. Those wanting people wanting to talk to him, interview him, etc., because of the passing of uh, Muhammad Ali. But it brings to light the fact again that uh, boy Larry Holmes was one heck of a champion. I got to get ready to get out of here for today. Again, this pre-recorded show again next week. We're gonna have we have another pre-recorded show. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm gonna be out. For the next couple of weeks, check on me. Hit me up on my uh, Twitter account, dware one at dware one Hit me up. And, um, you know, I look forward to uh, being back with you on the first week of July. For more information on From the Press Box to Press Row, log on to our website, BoxToRow.com. BoxToRow.com. Also follow us on Twitter at BoxToRow or on Facebook. Friend us on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R. O-W. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications.
Made my heart fill with joy. 